One thing I want to express is start the message today is how much I appreciate those involved in our music ministry. It's not only uh, the way they sing and the way that they lead us, but the planning and the thinking through of the various songs that are always so appropriate for our various services. These things are prayed for. And they are planned, and uh, it's, it's just wonderful to see. Well, how many of you experienced a power outage this past week? We know that certain parts of our, our city were pretty devastated by the, the recent storms, and uh, there were power outages, and you saw the results of that with people scrambling to, to have to get food, and uh, we actually ministered into that situation, people graciously donated, and I know that supplies were sent uh, to various, at least one part of our city to to meet that need. But uh, that's what happens during storms, and it's a serious thing when there's a power outage, and that's what I want to talk about today in terms of our personal lives. Because when the Holy Spirit is not filling our lives, when we're not yielded to the Holy Spirit, when we're not moving in the movements of the Holy Spirit, we have a power outage in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us spiritual power, His power, the very power of Christ to live the Christian life. And it would be a good question for us to answer, ask ourselves right now, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? How would you know? It's not just a feeling. It's a sense of desiring to be yielded to and dependent upon and moving in the movements of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But when the Holy Spirit is not filling our lives, empowering our lives, we can experience literally a power outage. Our witness gets hollow. Our service is less joyful. Our words become unedifying. Our activities become guided by self and just things that we want to do or make us feel good. We go through religious practices on our own efforts instead of sensing the Lord leading us and guiding us. And that's not the way the Lord wants us to live. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Traditionally in the life of the church, it's the celebration of the gift, the coming the working, the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what I want to speak to today because I need it desperately. And I believe all Christians need a firm understanding and a clear recognition and a full experience of what God has for us. That's the way He wants us to live, in the fullness of His Holy Spirit. And I trust that God will speak to our hearts today a message that will encourage us. It may convict us at times. It may challenge us. But that's what we want. We want to be His, totally His, totally given to Him, totally led by His Holy Spirit so that the very life of Christ is manifested through us. That's real Christianity. And I'm thankful that there is a day called Pentecost that we can focus on this truth because we need it now as much as any time. 
in our own personal lives, in the life of this church, in the life of churches across our country. And I want us to look at John chapter 7, verses 37, 38, and 39 as our starting place. And then we're going to see the significance of this text in the light of other passages in the New Testament. But I want us to hear today a personal invitation from Jesus. A personal invitation from Jesus to experience the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because that's exactly what this passage is. Let's read it together from the New King James Version, John chapter 7 and verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Not the easiest passage of Scripture in the world, but a marvelous one. And what an invitation. I don't know if you've received various invitations at this time. This is sort of invitation season for weddings and graduations and baby showers and all sorts of things that go on during uh, these months of May and June. And, and it's great to get invitations, but this is an invitation that we need to hear that meets us at the deepest point of our own personal need. And Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus was great at invitations. Do you remember the one where he said, uh, come to me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest? He was constantly calling people to himself because he is the sufficient Savior. He's the one who can meet us at our deepest need. Well, here is a classic invitation. If you were to get on the internet and to look up words <coughs> thirst or thirsty in relation to songs, you'd be amazed at how many songs have the word thirst or thirsty in them. And very often it's thirsting after a relationship or thirsting after some other things. And there's a lot of thirsts that we have, but Jesus is trying to direct us to the right thing to drink, and that is indeed himself. Amazing. He's the real thing. In our scripture today, Jesus uses words of thirst to grab our attention that we might truly find our spiritual satisfaction in him. So let's look at this together. I want us to look at the timing of his invitation, the wording of it, and then the meaning of it so that we can grasp what this scripture is all about. Look what it says. It says, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood out, stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Now, what's this last day or great day of the feast all about? Well, in the early part of John 7, you'd see that this feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. And there was some question as to whether or not Jesus even wanted to go to Jerusalem because of the climate that was going on. And 
he was already facing resistance. But he went to Jerusalem. And this Feast of Booths or Tabernacle was a time when God's people were celebrating what God had done to take them through the wilderness years. Forty years, the people of Israel had wandered in the wilderness, and God had supplied food and water. He had taken care of them, and He brought them through the wilderness, ultimately into the promised land. And there were various ceremonies, even as we're going to be celebrating communion in a few minutes, where we remember what our Lord Jesus has done for us on the cross, which he's commanded us to do. But they were celebrating this Feast of Booths, and there was an Old Testament passage that many have related to this, saying, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And there was some ceremony that involved the drawing of water and the pouring out of water, and that seems to be an appropriate backdrop for what Jesus is saying here. You see, Jesus always spoke in context. He spoke to the situation. And that's what's happening here is this ceremony is going on, and it's the last and the greatest day. He interrupts the whole thing. He says, if anyone thirsts, come to me. He wasn't on the program as far as I know. And yet he was crying out to these people to recognize that he was the one who could meet their spiritual thirst. I believe Jesus wants our attention right now. We're here in church. We're going through a religious activity. But can we miss him? It's possible to not hear his voice and not to understand what he wants from our lives even in the midst of doing a good thing. I mean, these people were doing something they were supposed to do. They were supposed to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And yet Jesus cries out and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. God has to get our attention in many ways. How about you? Has God ever broken into your life in some special way and and spoken to you? in a situation and you knew it was from him? I can remember when I was 14, a very special experience. Ellen said the other day to me how God had spoken to her in a very special way about a particular matter. And there are those times when the Lord breaks in and redirects or, or speaks to us and tries to get our attention. And this is what's happening right here. It's on that last day, the great day of the feast. People could finish the feast and they could go home. But rather, Jesus cries out and says, If anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. The wording of Jesus' personal invitation. I want to look at next. When we put our wedding invitation together, we pick the words very carefully. And usually you want to say the most with the least words, right? Well, that's what's happening here. Do you notice what the words are? I hope you'll memorize this by the end of... This message, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, who is invited? Who is invited? He says, anyone, but it's not just anyone. He said, anyone who thirsts, anyone who thirsts. That speaks of someone who has a deep desire 
for spiritual things, someone who's wanting to be satisfied deep within. I don't think he's just speaking of physical thirst there. He's talking about a deeper thirst. He's talking to the sincere. He's talking to the serious. He's talking to people that sense their need of spiritual help. It's just like in the Sermon on the Mount. How does Jesus begin that sermon? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's he's wanting people that are sensing their need of Him. They have a desire for Him. They long for Him. They thirst for Him because they know that in Him there's living water. In Him is salvation. But beyond that, in Him is life and life eternal and spiritual life as we're going to see through the power of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, Ellen and I went to a seminar for Christian counselors, which I am not, but I was there, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And there was an Old Testament text that was used to speak about this matter of thirsts and of longings. And it's Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, where Jeremiah has a case against God's people. This is God's people. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. In other words, God's people have this endless resource in God himself, but what they've done is instead of going to God, they have metaphorically built their own cisterns to try to catch rain that only comes at certain times, and they're bad because they're broken. So the water flows away. What's that a picture of? It's trying to satisfy yourself, myself, with spirit, spiritually in ways that just won't work. They won't work. They won't work through relationship after relationship that will not ultimately satisfy deep inside through our busyness, through preoccupation, through sports, entertainment, whatever it is, these things can be great for a season, but they don't last and they don't ultimately satisfy deep, deep, deep inside. You see, Jesus wants us to have rivers of living water flowing out of our heart, something from the inside, something that's deep, something that's permanent, something that's lasting, something that's real, something that's not manipulated from the outside, something that's on the inside that only God can do. Only This is Christianity we're talking about, where God actually invades our lives through our faith in Jesus Christ and does something, does something in our lives so that our lives are brought alive spiritually and then we can flow with the work of the Holy Spirit. That's exciting. I mean, that's what life's about. It's so exciting when you think about the potential of life when we're in tune with God and God's Spirit is in our hearts and He's motivating us and He's driving us and He's helping us to do the things that are of God that bring glory to Christ and help a dying world. This invitation was nothing short of the Messiah. <clears throat> Drawing on Old Testament texts and saying, this is the time. The time is now. I'm the one you need. I'm the one who gives you 
living water. Well, what are we supposed to do? Well, we should recognize our thirst, that He's the one that satisfies. And those are the people that are going to come to Him. But it's interesting, He says, come to me and drink. We're going to talk about that drink in a moment. But He actually explains it. It means to believe in Him. And that's not just intellectual belief. It's to acknowledge that He is the source not only of salvation, not just forgiveness and a ticket to heaven, but of true life, of spiritual life. And that's what he's talking about here. He is the Word made flesh. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the good shepherd. He is all the things that John, remember this is John's gospel, has been talking about. What a Savior. What a Savior we have. But I love the word drink there. Isn't that interesting? Come to me and drink. I don't think it was like a lemonade stand. I don't think that's what he's picturing. But the image is of coming to him and, and finding in him this resource. But you notice it doesn't say, come to me and sip. Or come to me and taste. Or come to me and take a swig. It's come to me and drink. And I think the picture is that you've got this deep, deep longing that can only be satisfied in him and we drink of him, we, we, we focus on him, we receive from him. And that's what Jesus is saying he is, an endless supply. I'm assuming we still have an aquifer of water below the Mid-South, is that right? Is it still there? Still there? It hasn't run out yet? It's going to last for a long time, but one day it may run out. But Jesus' supply will not run out. And that's what he's trying to say. But let's go deeper. We've looked at the wording of this invitation, the timing of it. <clears throat> what about the meaning of Jesus' personal invitation? If you're still trying to figure it out, look at verse 39. He says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Isn't it interesting? Scripture interpreting Scripture. That's a very good principle, by the way, in Bible study, that uh, when you see one text, you need to interpret it in light of another. But John's actually doing that for us here. He says, now, he was talking about the Spirit, but the Spirit wasn't given yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, Jesus had to live out a perfect life. He had to go to the cross to die for our sins. He had to be buried. He was raised again. And then he was ascended to heaven. And then, as Peter says in Acts 2, in that sermon on Pentecost, he said Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the Father. And listen to this. Received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. I know this little detail here, biblical study, doctrine, but Jesus actually received the promise of the Father. God fulfilled his promise gave the Holy Spirit, as it were, to Jesus, who pours out His Spirit upon His people. See, He's the source of spiritual life, and the Holy Spirit has been given to His people. And that happened on the day of Pentecost in that upper room. And that message was preached, crowning Jesus as Christ and Lord, and people were convicted of their sin, and they recognized their need of Christ and how they had been in rebellion against Christ and how they had crucified Christ. And so what were they to do? They were to repent. In other words, turn 
to Christ and away from sin and self and recognize they put Jesus on the cross, believe in him. They were to be baptized, showing their belief in him. And then it says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's part of it. You see, when we sometimes share with children and we share with others that you invite Jesus into your heart, actually what that is is the Holy Spirit comes in to our lives. Jesus is exalted in heaven. It's the Spirit of Jesus that enters into the life. We need the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of Jesus. He's God within us by His Spirit. And so Pentecost is a wonderful celebration. We have the Holy Spirit, our comforter, the Spirit of truth, the one who disciplines us, the one who convicts us, the one who corrects us, the one who uses God's Word to instruct us, the one who guides us, the Holy Spirit. Is He filling our lives? Are we yielded to the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a picture of it. It comes from the epistles. You know it, Ephesians 5.18. When Paul is talking about living the Christian life, and there's all sorts of great truths concerning the Holy Spirit, when he talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit through bitterness and wrath and anger and so forth, being kind to one another and walking in love and all of these things, But down in verse 18 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. When we're yielded, when we say, Lord, I just want you to control my life. By your Holy Spirit, control my life. You be the Lord of my life, right within me, Spirit of Jesus. And we surrender to that, and we seek to walk in the way the Holy Spirit leads us according to the Word of God, it's going to affect everything. Generally speaking, when somebody is really drunk, it affects their speech, it affects their walk, and it also affects their actions, right? Well, that's the, that's the comparison. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to affect the way we speak. It's going to affect the way we walk, how we live out our lives. It's going to affect our actions. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Come to me and drink, and and you'll have this resource of living waters within you, which represents the work of the Holy Spirit within us. It's the opposite. And folks, the last thing we want in our lives personally, in this church, in any church, is what is said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5 where it says you have a form of godliness but deny its power. There's a certain amount of religiousness, a certain amount of routine, there's a certain amount of things happening, but there's no demonstration of the power of God. There's there's no life change going on. There's no movement to be more like Christ. There's there's nothing happening that shows the outworking of the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what's the picture of that? Just read the book of Acts. That's the picture of that. A dynamic church committed to the mission of Jesus. A dynamic church passionately praying. A dynamic church bold witness. A dynamic church and individuals sharing Jesus with compassion and and meeting needs. It's all there. That's why we have the book. A heart of obedience and a passion for the mission of Christ. That's the way the Holy Spirit leads us 
He leads us in the things of Christ. The book of Acts begins by saying, in my last book, those are the things Jesus began to do. Now, through his Holy Spirit, these are the things he's continuing to do. And so it's the Spirit of Jesus that's now working through us. Folks, you need that. You need that as a, as a father. You need that as a mother. You need that as a husband. You need that as a wife. You need that as individuals as you deal with the various issues in life. You want to be guided by the Holy Spirit. You want to be a person that rivers of living water are flowing out of your life. It's tough to preach twice back to back because you hear yourself from the last sermon. But an illustration I want to share is that when we traveled out to California a number of years ago, 2,200 miles, we liked road trips. And we were going close to Needles, California. How many of you have been to Needles? Look at that. Famous place. Needles, California. But it's very dry. There's a lot of barren areas around there. But if you looked off in the distance, you'd see this green ribbon cutting through the countryside. And for those of you who have been there, what is that? It's the Colorado River that cuts right through that barren area. And all around that Colorado River is growth, is life, is freshness, is, is, is things blooming. Isn't that wonderful to think of being able to, to have a freshness and a spiritual reality about us in the midst of a very barren and dry world that many times. We try to hide it. We hide it with everything. And yet deep down underneath, so many people are empty. They don't have deep spiritual joy in the Lord. If you will say, well, what does it look like? Look at the epistles. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, and so forth, self-control, those are the things that the Spirit does within us. He gives us gifts that we use to help one another. He empowers us. He's the convictor, the one who unites the body, the one who helps us in our weakness, the discipliner, the leader, the discipler, so to speak, as Jesus moves through his Holy Spirit. So what do we need to do? Well, these people needed to trust in Jesus. There may be someone here today, and you thought maybe that Christianity is about a certain amount of practices as opposed to a, a living relationship with God. And this day you can know the Lord in a personal, intimate relationship by recognizing, just as they did on the day of Pentecost, turning from sin and self, turning from other sources of life, repenting is the word, and trusting in Jesus as your Savior, your all-sufficient one, the one who died for your sins, but the one who lives to be your all-sufficient Savior, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as the Lord enters into your life to enable you to live a life that you can't live on your own. But for many of us here who claim the name of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves, have we grieved the Holy Spirit? Have we quenched the Holy Spirit? If we're honest, we say, you know, I haven't really thought about this a whole lot. <clears throat> I'm not even sure what it looks like to trust the Holy Spirit. What it means is that you're seeking 
as you spend time in the Word and as you go through your daily life, that you're praying for the Lord to guide and direct and to control and to, to lead your life and that the Spirit of God will be free to move and to reign and to work in and through your heart, making you more like Jesus and using you in every possible way and circumstance. That's great. That's life. That's spiritual life. That's the way it's supposed to be. I have right next to the door that exits my office a bowl with a plant in it. And I could be referred to as the plant persecutor. I'm not very good with plants. I'm really not. I don't spend a lot. I think it's because I grew up in New York, you know, and New York City, we didn't have a whole lot of plants. But that plant is there, and I'll look over occasionally, and it's just wilted. It's just drooped over the side of that bowl. But you know, when I go and I get just a little water, and I put water in a cup, and I put it into that soil around that plant, it doesn't take long. All of a sudden, those leaves lift up, and there's some life there, and there's some buoyancy there, and there's some attractiveness there. And you say, boy, that plant's looking good. And maybe today, as we conclude, that we need to just say in a fresh way, Lord, I want a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. You're in my life. You came in at conversion. You're the person of the Holy Spirit. You don't come in, as my father used to say, by installments. You, you come in. But Lord, you haven't been dominant in my life. Uh, myself has taken over. And I need to yield to you, and I want you to, in a full and fresh way, to guide and direct. And Lord, if there's anything in my life that's hindering, that's getting in the way, I confess it. I want it out. I don't want a part of it. I want to be living totally filled and controlled by you. Come to him and drink, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And if today you've been feeling like, you know, I've been sort of going through the motions, this may be a day just to say, Lord, uh, I, I, I thirst. I thirst. I thirst afresh. And I want to come to you. And whatever you have for me, just renew that in me. Help me, Lord, to know in a fresh way the work of your Holy Spirit in my heart that I might truly walk with you. If there's any barriers, deal with them so that you can have rivers of living water flowing out of your life. I want us to pray together, spend a few moments before the Lord. If we've grieved the Holy Spirit or quenched the Holy Spirit through deliberate sin or hurtful words or wrong attitudes, relationships that need to be mended, let the Spirit of God work in these moments. We're about to come to communion. We need to let the Spirit of God work in our lives to, to free us and to, if we need to confess things, we do that and to free us in order that we might serve the Lord in fullness, get right with Him and with one another. Are we thirsty for Him? Are we thirsty for unblocked rivers of life-giving water flowing out of our lives? And if you're here today and you've never really trusted Christ,
I encourage you in a few moments of silence just to say, Lord Jesus, I do repent. I believe in you, and I receive your gift of your Holy Spirit to come and live in me. And if that is your prayer today, I invite you to come at the end of this service and to see us and to talk with us, and we'll pray with you. But for most of us, it's just a time of surrender. Lord, I surrender all to you. I want your Holy Spirit to be free and have full reign in my life. May that be my experience. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move into a time of celebrating communion course, focusing on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, but I want us to thank him also, not only for his death, but to thank him for the gift of his Holy Spirit, which came about. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read the scripture. We'll have a prayer, then the elements are going to be distributed. I think there's going to be some music. And then when we all have received, we'll take together uh, the elements representing his body and his blood. But reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, uh, Paul received from the Lord what he already delivered to these folks. But he said that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And Lord, we want to thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your death on the cross for our sins. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, you would examine our hearts in these moments. Lord, we don't want to partake of of this ceremony, this remembrance in some way that dishonors you. So, Lord, uh, may we come to you seeking you afresh in your fullness for our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.